passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Because of all of you, we are able to stand here and make another first ever announcement. On October 28th, over 50 women, then, now, and forever, will participate in an event called Evolution. And that event, I am privileged to announce, will be the first ever all-women's pay-per-view. A standing ovation here tonight, live in Cincinnati, as history is made. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock here, along with Wei Ting. We're coming off of Slammiversary, going into... Do you know today was the six-year anniversary of Raw expanding to three hours away? What a momentous occasion. I feel like you mentioned some type of anniversary not that long ago. Uh, I'm good with dates, so I'm sure I brought something up. But this was it was six years ago today that Raw 1000 took place, and they moved Raw to three hours... And I thought, well, this can't last that long, can it? I'm, it I can. I swear I'm experiencing so much deja vu. Like, I swear you said this exact same thing. Maybe not about the sixth anniversary. It could have been about the fifth anniversary. But, I mean, I'm sure every year we're, we're going to mention this. I'm always going to remember July 23rd. Yeah. As the, the year that uh, our Monday night. Could you just imagine if you and I... Just watched like is SmackDown not just like the such a contrast to, to Monday nights. Like imagine oh having God. just two hours to watch every every Monday night. It would make such a difference. My life's my life would be so much better. My life is so much better on Tuesdays. No, it's not that big that drastic. Honestly, uh, I think I'm feeling it more now because the quality of Raw has really gone down in my opinion over the past several months. Whereas I think SmackDown still maintains a certain level. Uh, so it really, I really feel the three hours. Man, recently watching some of those, those nitros from 97. Let me preface by the year, those nitros. Like even the three hour one we just watched. There's such variety to the show. There's so many different performers. And these episodes of Raw, I mean, it's just, it's one show with one tone and characters that are all presented in similar fashion like you don't have any of these wild characters you don't have a a great contrast to 
the 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 presentation that is WWE, and I think that's more. It really hits me during the pay per views now because of how lengthy they are. But in particular, Raw, I don't so much take that away on, on SmackDown, which I find to be a breeze most weeks uh, coming off of Raw. Yes, yes. Although, come on, wild characters. Raw has its share of wild uh, wild ideas. They have. I don't know if they have any. I mean, just look at the contrast of characters you had at, at Slammiversary. Like, could you imagine? That's one thing I didn't really talk about on the on the review was that so many of the feuds, they were built on hatred, like legitimate hatred you could buy between these two sides. What feud in the WWE conveys hatred, like true hatred uh, amongst two individuals? That you feel that drama between two two people that just have such a dislike for one another. Sammy Zayn and Sasha. Sammy Zayn versus Bobby Lashley. Yeah, there. It's it's like so much tongue in cheek humor. Like even Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman. Yeah, this is not hatred. No. Well, the cl- this is an amu- an amusing odd couple that is feuding. Roman and Lashley, they're they're really trying hard to, or they did try really hard to kind of fabricate that type of hatred. Uh, but it, it certainly didn't feel believable, at least not to the extent of, uh, you know, like Tommy Dreamer versus, uh, uh, Eddie Edwards. How far have we come? Like, what is that? What is that saying when we're using impact wrestling as sort of like (laughs) the, what, what they're doing, what, how to do it right versus Raw's how, how to do it wrong. Well, you can't deny that of those eight matches uh, that they built up for Slammiversary, I would say more than half all had really concentrated stories for months leading up to the showdown on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like that had really deep builds to them that I, I think that you felt that th- that was a pretty quality buildup that you got on that pay-per-view. And I think that led to a uh, notable interest for this show much more than their last pay-per-view of a couple of months back. And it seemed to be really good response. Like I haven't seen anyone negative on that show from Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And now it's three months before uh, they come back. Well, I think this is really the perfect time for a company like an impact or any of the WWE's competitors to step up and provide an alternative because I think raw in particular has really been terrible lately. Uh, and a lot of people are growing really frustrated and looking to either uh, look for an alternative or to leave wrestling altogether. But the great thing is that, you know, rather than stop watching wrestling altogether like you would have in the past, there are so many other great wrestling companies out there that are doing uh, the types of, the forms of professional wrestling that I think fans are clamoring for, whether it be great in-ring or interesting adult-oriented storytelling. Um, so, you know, Raw's loss and the WWE's loss is everybody else's game. Uh, so a few notes I've got coming out of uh, Slammiversary. Uh, I heard from one person at Impact, who estimated the attendance at between 1,100 and 1,200 on Sunday night. Uh, There was also a report from uh, Dave Meltzer that Moose was dealing with uh, vertigo on Monday coming out of that match, that he must have, you know, there was some issue. uh, And I had heard that apparently after the main event, Moose was pretty upset in the back uh, after the match as well. So not exactly sure what happened, if there was maybe... Uh, slip up on one of the spots, but um, he, tweet, anyway, that's... he tweeted out the letters CTE. Yes, he tweeted that out. So that was kind of ominous on Monday morning. And 
maybe it kind of, I mean, I'm all only speculating, but it's kind of unusual for a wrestler themselves to, I guess, uh, announce their own concussion in that fashion. So, so kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, vaguely, I mean, not so much so vague, but rather than, you know, just writing the letter CTE, uh, it's just interesting. And, uh, I guess beyond that, um, yeah, their next pay-per-view is October the 14th. They've booked the Melrose Ballroom in Queens, New York, which was just used. It's kind of going to be MLW's New York venue. And what's interesting is that MLW is running that same venue 10 days before Bound for Glory. And there's a lot of talent that works for both sides. So that seems like that that one's going to get kind of um, strange between those two companies that here they are running the same building, same market within 10 days of one another. And there's a lot of talent that they are contractually able to work for, for both. And they both have television in the U S. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting to note. And I guess the other thing that is, uh, I guess catching a lot of people's attention was, uh, during raw, uh, PWG tweeted out that Matt Riddle is off of the Battle of Los Angeles tournament in September. He's being replaced by Trevor Lee. And shortly after that tweet went out, uh, Gabe Sapolsky tweeted out that Matt Riddle will be working for Evolve August 4th, 5th, 11th, and 12th. Um, he is their Evolve champion. Uh, but certainly, way there is a lot of expectation that Matt Riddle is probably WWE bound uh, when you see him uh, removing dates, uh, so, especially such a big one like... Uh, Bola in September. Interesting. Yeah, that one is interesting. I think, I mean, not because, you know, Matt Riddle, uh, I think is somebody we we all expected eventually to uh, get there at some point. But I mean, I'm interested to know if the WWE has perhaps overlooked or relaxed their stance on marijuana use or or, or, or how they might have dealt with that issue in speaking with Matt Riddle, if, it, if in fact he did sign. Is there a more ridiculous... Reason for a guy not to be in the company, especially I can understand uh, Japanese companies that are, are not going to go near someone like that. I mean, that's just that is how J Japan operates. But a U.S. based company, it's just bizarre to me. Like here we are, you know, a week after Hulk Hogan is brought back into the family. But here is this guy's biggest obstacle is uh, marijuana use. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh... I I mean I think it sounds really ridiculous considering how I feel a lot of people in the WWE are probably mar marijuana users. I'm I'm not I'm not saying I know this for for a fact, but I know the, the some have the option to just pay the fine and just deal with it. And uh I don't know. I uh, I maybe maybe it means they're they're relaxing themselves on that on this policy. I I think that it's one of those you know, it's not like this company has ever come out and outright stated that as a reason, but it's when you watch the Moro Ronaldo documentary and you see what a benefit marijuana is to him, it's it's pretty difficult for the WWE to have two different standards like that, mm -hmm. that they won't hire a guy based off of marijuana use. And here is someone who is a uh, uh, someone that, that deals with so many issues and cites marijuana as a huge reason that he's able to function day to day. Well, uh. First of all, let me just say Damian Abraham certainly is much more of an authority on, on the topic of marijuana use in professional wrestling uh, than I am. But, I mean, I, you know, he brought up to me a point that wrestlers, 
I mean, they're, they're, they're doing something inf- incredibly physically taxing to their bodies every single day. And marijuana provides a great alternative to, to deal with that pain than, you know, uh, many other things that are available out there. So I, I, I have no, like, it doesn't surprise me that maybe uh, marijuana use is, is actually perhaps quite popular amongst professional wrestlers. Like, I, I think the fine is ridiculous. If I was maintaining this wellness policy, like, why, if if you're creating a a penalized environment for marijuana use, what are you sending guys that are in a lot of pain uh, down other avenues that mm-hmm. are, are, what's that going to send them to? What, alcohol use? Well, is that really something you want to be encouraging guys to do as opposed to go to your hotel room after a show and smoke a joint and... Mm-hmm. it's going to alleviate some of the pain you're going through but 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 this Did is not s- this is not necessarily a problem with the WWE in and of itself this marijuana is still illegal in many states so it's it's more so an issue i think with with the country in general i i mean with, with marijuana laws as they are now uh i i don't think that that's something where the WWE needs to be policing uh marijuana use but that's just my own belief on things. Listen, if, if if any guy were to to show up and he's he's high out of his mind and he can't get to the ring, that's one thing. But I you don't hear too many stories like that ever occurring. So anyway, uh, lots to discuss and lots coming up this week, way. So let's uh, quickly just take a, a preview of the shows that we have coming up this week. Uh, starting with our G one shows, we have a bit of a break. I'm enjoying it. Uh, using this time to catch up on various other things. Uh, but we will be back with more G1 coverage starting Thursday. Uh, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Monday, we'll have G1 shows. So um, we're off until then, but we'll be the cafe will be full with G1 coverage. Uh, oh, do we also want to mention on Friday? That's right. On Friday, uh, because it is another uh, a double dose coming out uh, from Post Wrestling, uh, we will be providing our G1 show free of charge this Friday. Uh, I believe that's day number nine of the tournament. And then for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, that is the same day our monthly Ask Away show is going to be dropping. So uh, whether you are on the free feed, on the Post Wrestling Cafe, or both, uh, two shows coming your way uh, this coming Friday. We like to hand out samples. We're like, uh, you know... We're, we're like the coffee shop that has like the little cups on the outside and yeah, just handing out free shots, free, free samples of, of G1 coffee, G1 shots. Yes. Uh, so look out for the free sample on Friday. Uh, also some notable shows coming out this week. Uh, you're going to get a, a double dose of the British wrestling experience. They're going to have a show on Wednesday and then they're back on Saturday for a special review of the debut episode of world of sport. On ITV, which uh, for anyone out there that is going to watch World of Sport and have it closed captioned, it's uh, it was closed captioned by Dan the Mouth Lavransky. Oh, really? Yes. How did that happen? Uh, I guess some company um, outsourced it, and yeah, he messaged me. He's like, "I'm captioning World of Sport for this weekend." He's captioning it for like the broadcast everywhere, or just I, Canadian. Uh, it's not airing anywhere in Canada, so I'm assuming this is for oh, interesting the ITV version, I think. So I mean, turn on those captions if anything, just to see the handiwork of Dan Lebransky, yeah, who is a uh, very fast typer. Oh, what the fuck are they doing here? 
just in brackets. That would be great. Do you know how awesome closed captioning would be with, you know, uh, commentary from the captioner? <laughs> uh, I'm sure at some point that exists. Um, yeah. I think that would be really fun to just, uh, you know, uh, r- how fun would Raw be if you had, say, uh, someone entertaining just captioning it? Maybe we should just start doing our reviews in captioned form. We should just have a, a live feed of Raw yeah. going. Yeah, this is uh, well. Let's let's cut this out. This is a great money making idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else to mention? Wait, we we yeah. are going to have a, the review of Raw, rewind of Raw, double shot, uh, which is out now, featuring our big contest reveal. That's right. Yes, we'll be. Uh, so uh, our post production videos for uh, double double patrons this past week. John and I spent some time going through WWE Shop and critiquing all of the wares that they sell with their various logos and that includes t-shirts uh beach towels lunch boxes what else did we look at i i mean i'm shocked at this machine really it, oh i'm not it's it's expected oh but some of these items uh a, what, 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 a big cast pillow buddy <laughs> yeah it's interesting to see uh yeah they are getting that big cast merchandise out of there as quick as possible <laughs> but but i didn't see any other pillowed buddies it was only big cast so i found it strange that like uh of all the wrestlers they they thought this this man the seven foot tall man was perfectly suitable for a, a pillow uh so yeah at the end of that we also put out a little contest for the people who who are uh, double double patrons to create your own tagline for a wwe branded christmas t-shirt so we'll be announcing the winner for that contest on the double shot along with uh my review of the second last episode of Total Bellas this season, as well as Being the Elite. All right. So all of that is coming up on the Double Shot, which is up now, postwrestlingcafe.com. And you can go to postwrestling.com uh, for our full schedule of shows coming up this week. It is a very busy one, as most weeks are. But let us get into Raw. Monday night, Cincinnati, Ohio, at the U.S. Bank Arena. And it started off with the entire locker room out on the ramp we had talent from raw we had the women from smackdown and nikki uh, very cross no- very notable was nikki cross who um i did uh hear from someone uh there who was noting that nikki cross is on the road right now with the smackdown crew and this was a very late call to have the smackdown women be part of this segment it was only decided during the day so they got the smackdown women off the monday night house show that smackdown runs to this show and there was even discussion of flying in the NXT women but it was just so late in the in the game on Monday that it was just logistically too difficult to do that. So that's why you had the women there and Nikki Cross has just shot uh, a bunch of stuff involving Bianca Belair for NXT so it doesn't look like this was her call up um no. even though she was there and front and center too. She was not hidden at all. Well, yeah, I, I didn't take this as a call-up or anything, but I do expect the, the NXT women's roster to have a role on this Evolution pay-per-view. Yeah, and they stated as such, and that's right. kind of interesting. We'll get into the announcement first and then can uh, discuss the topics. But Vince McMahon is in the ring and welcomes out Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, and Stephanie says it's a rare thing to make history and create memories to last a lifetime. Oh my God. This was one for the ages, folks. If oh, you are oh. not a fan of the, <laughs> oh. you know, uh, Hunter and Stephanie giving birth to history moments, this was an all-timer. Hunter then acknowledges the superstars, the talent. And he says, nights like tonight happen because of you. It's a giant team 
There is a bond when you become a WWE superstar, placing your trust in someone else's hands. And he asks the women to step forward on the stage and states that all the men behind them support them. And he lists all of the different firsts that the women have had. Their various Money in the Banks and Royal Rumbles and main events. We have watched in awe. Some of us with a tear in our eye. And Hunter was on the verge of tears. Way. Tears. Yeah, referencing himself. Yes. Yes. Then Stephanie took over. Give Divas a chance. The the hashtag that was uh, originally done as a spoof off of what R-Truth was doing at the time about give Jimmy a chance. Uh, this is now uh, the big call to arms uh, outreach from the audience that changed the way women are perceived in this company. It opened doors for the women. 30-second matches became main events. Divas became superstars. And on October the 28th, over 50 women, then, now, and forever, will participate in evolution the first all women's the first wwe all women's pay-per-view from the nassau coliseum on long island it's going to feature a raw women's title match a smackdown women's title match an nxt women's titles title match and the finals of the may young classic oh okay yes the finals of the may young classic as well wow well yeah that was uh that's a big announcement um i mean it- if I can complain a little, it's like you made such a big deal out of this announcement. Did they ever mention this after the first segment? I thought they'd make a bigger deal. Are out you of this. kidding me? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I had forgotten about this by the end. It's not like in every it, single promo, every male wrestler had to mention this. No, I don't say this lightly because the WWE is never ashamed to promote. But this might have been the most pushed thing Ugh, I've ever dude, seen. By on the one end episode. of it, it was just a turnoff. Like you're going to make me sick of this thing before it even occurs. So, at the same time, they are who they are because they of their ability to promote. And I guess we can criticize how maybe uh, a little gross it sometimes feels, you know, when you have people just kind of pat themselves on the back as history uh, uh, makers and, and, and society changers for things like this, just going overboard with it. At the same time... Let's remember that this is a commercial. It's a commercial for their October 28th pay-per-view. And by the end of it, we all know that it's happening. They definitely do run the risk of, like, turning us off by by talking about it so much. But, you know, they get the job done. They're trying to make it feel like a big deal. And you Mm -hmm. can't deny they made it feel like a very big deal. This is a pay-per-view they're going to be pushing for three months ahead of time as something significant. Um I find it interesting that it's going to be a show that will feature NXT talent. So this is the first time we're going to see a WWE pay-per-view with NXT programs pushed uh, going into it as well. True. Um, right. That they've always been kept separate. I mean, we've seen cameos on Raw or SmackDown of NXT performers in the past. But yeah. this is going to be a pay-per-view where you're going to have uh, the whole women's roster at your disposal on top of nostalgia figures that they mentioned, like Trish Stratus and Lita, that are going to be part of this. I think they realize they need the push of, of a lot of the NXT uh, uh, roster in order to really flesh out the card. Because, let's be honest, like, can you really do a full card when, when you know, typically when you're watching Raw or SmackDown, it's only like four, five, uh, six, I don't know, a very small number of women that are considered pay-per-view even uh, worthy. 
like, can you really fill out an entire card and devote enough TV time to get everybody on that show? Like, 50 women. What what exactly is going to take place here? I imagine, like, some type of battle royal. But I also wonder how long the show will be. Like, I guess it has to be four hours, doesn't it? They said the start time is going to be 7 p.m. Yeah. So that suggests four. I think it's going to be exactly like any other pay-per-view. One-hour kickoff, four-hour show, three-and-a-half-hour show, mm-hmm. like main show. Now, here's... The timing of it is notable, and it has not officially been announced, but back when they did the first Saudi Arabia card, the report at the time was they would be coming back for a second show in Saudi Arabia, and November was the rumored time frame for that. Do you find the timing to be a tough one, that here you are going to have such a major event promoted around the WWE, dedicating a whole pay-per-view, it's an all-women's show, and then immediately turning around and potentially hyping up your return to Saudi Arabia and right back to all of the talking points that went into the first Saudi Arabia card where the women will not be able to participate. Well, that's really interesting. And I wouldn't necessarily say that as tough, but I would I would say that as strategic. You know, by promoting an all-women's show, now you can give them the excuse to promote an all-men's show, which I suppose you can classify the Saudi Arabia shows as. I don't know if uh, promoting an all men's show is really a positive. Well, not that's... saying, not calling it an all men's show, but having the excuse at least. Yeah, it's, uh, and again, they haven't announced that, but especially if they're going like immediately into the promotion for that card, I, I think it's very tough for a lot of the, the promotion of this show to, to know that that's right around the corner and you have these two very, on the one hand, you are promoting this show that is, you know, we are, confident that women can carry an entire pay-per-view, but we're also in this business relationship that bans our women from being part of our shows. Like, they can't even go there and and travel there, much less wrestle on the shows. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a contradictory message in such close proximity, potentially, if that November date ends up happening. So yeah, um, that's something uh, worth noting. Uh, so that was the start of Raw, and that was hammered through like it was uh clear every promo had to bring this up uh, just about every performer tweeted about this i mean this was a major major wwe push on this show that, I, this was the whole concept of the show yeah. was pushing this pay-per-view for three months from now again it's all well and good like you should be doing this stuff like that but man have some tact and have some like uh awareness of maybe when you're going a little bit overboard and I certainly felt it by the end of this show. So maybe, uh, I don't know. It just, it just, uh, I, I, I think, I, I think you can't ever expect that. They are never going to be subtle in their promotion for, for good or bad. I mean, right down to look how they decided to promote Elias tonight. It was just, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed that too, but it's, it's never the subtle approach for WWE. It is going to be hit them over the head. 500 times, and they will never forget the message. Uh, yeah. Our first reaction was Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, who had to have the most contrived conversation about this women's pay-per-view uh, before they talked about their forthcoming tag title rematch, and that the B stands for brothers and best. And they go to leave, but they forgot their tag titles, and they had to go back and get them. They better have been really quick, because... um Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta might have wandered in there and taken their titles. <laughs> That's right. So, like, was that the joke? 
I don't know what the joke was. I that they I forgot their tag titles was that was that the big. Punch there was no punchline to this. It I was, think they, that I think that was the punchline. The fact that they forgot the belt and had to sneak back to get it. Okay. Elias is uh, out there. He's introduced by JoJo, and this would be the running gag all night: is that he'd appear on screen, they'd put up a graphic plugging his album that's on iTunes and Spotify, and then he'd get interrupted. And what it resulted in was Elias involved in like five different appearances on the show to work in these plugs, which I did not mind this at all, actually. Me neither. No, I yeah. see. Like this is a that's this is the the, the example of maybe. Uh, kind of like a, a, a advertising that at least I could classify as somewhat clever. Throughout the course of this evening, you have such forced conversations between all of these guys trying to force in this evolution pay-per-view into their, their words that it just, to me, just creatively really rubbed me the wrong way. The B team versus Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, the rematch for the raw tag titles, Hardy and Wyatt cleared the ring, went through the break. The revival was shown watching this match backstage Hardy landed a twist of fate on Axel. Dallas made the save, and then Bray missed Bo in the corner, and they stumbled all over each other with Bray being sent on top of Hardy, and it led to the accidental crucifix cover by Axel. So they backdoored their way into a title defense with Matt Hardy being pinned in 820. Hardy and Bray then applauded the B team before attacking them and laying them out with a twist of fate and Sister Abigail. Yeah, so is this feud done... No, it's just starting. What? How? They oh, lost. Now. They lost twice. They lost the rematch. They lost the match. And they kicked them afterwards. Are they oh. heels? It, it seemed to be they were kind of teasing that here with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, do, it didn't, didn't feel that way. Like, they still posed afterwards like they were baby faces. It didn't necessarily look scary. Um... I just don't want to see another one of these matches. I think every time I've seen this match or some iteration of it, they've been such basic and limited wrestling matches. I don't think the wins, the finishes are clever at all. I'm, I'm just done with this. Yeah, it's uh, man, what a, what a, what a strange direction. Everything has gone in the world of uh, impact and Matt Hardy. No, yeah. I mean, who, 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 who Jeff, would you want to? Jeff's doing well. Jeff's doing fine. I'm more isolating Matt, but yeah. I, I would say Jeff was not one that really wanted to leave Impact either. Same I mean, with he, same with Matt. Yeah. At, at the time, I mean, it was just unfortunate that there there was a situation where I think Matt just saw himself yeah. out of favor, and I think had had Jeff Jarrett not been in the midst of all that, I think the Hardys likely would have stayed. They would have worked with the Young Bucks uh, yeah. at Ring of Honor and Impact, and who knows where things would have gone. But it's I, I'm sure the Hardys are not regretting their return to the WWE because of what they got out of that return, which is a all-time classic WrestleMania memory. Um, but like, I don't think anyone has any confidence that this Broken Hardys thing is ever going to get off the ground to anywhere near expectations because it's really fizzled and... And now you just have a underneath character that means very, very little in Matt Hardy. Yeah, I don't think there, there was any really too much question about creatively where they would have had more freedom to do their own thing. Uh, I just didn't think it would be this drastic of a difference. Then we had a very emotional 
spot for Total Bellas. The season finale is this Sunday, and we had this uh, real retrospective moment by uh, Nikki Bella looking back at the bachelorette party and all of the stuff leading up to the wedding with John, and she just doesn't think she can walk down the aisle with him, and it's going to be a really heartfelt episode on Sunday, it looks like. Why are you are you ready for this one? I'm I'm certainly ready for it. I think I'm curious to see how much they reshot after uh, they finished filming and then they decided to to break up or announce the breakup. So it would be interesting to try to watch and decipher it from that perspective. Finn Balor was backstage with uh, this this random individual, uh, Chad Gable. He said, "Great to see you. What are you doing with your gear?" Basically saying, "You never wrestle. Why are you all dressed up?" They talked about the women's show, of course, and they wonder if stars from the past are going to be coming back onto this show. And suddenly people start removing Finn Balor's clothing from his locker room. He notices this, and he's informed that Constable Corbin has set him up in a new locker room, which is a kid's playhouse because Finn is so small. And Corbin laughs as he walks into the shot and says that Balor deserves his own locker room for someone of his stature. Balor calls him a great constable, and this is Finn's fun house. And Corbin is upset that Balor isn't upset and makes a match with Balor and Drew McIntyre, which Balor could have responded by stating, you guys announced on the website hours ago, and I've been preparing. I'm all set for Drew. Hmm, yeah. Uh, maybe he doesn't check the website. Possibly. Yeah, uh, so the punchline for this segment. <laughs> Finn Balor Finn's, has... Finn's has... short. Well, he's always wanted a fun house, Finn's fun house. And that was enough to get Baron Corbin really angry. Um, I was waiting for some applause or some laughter from this audience. I don't know how it would have come across in the writer's room when this was suggested. Uh, hey, how, would, how do we make Finn Balor, uh, you know, really upset Baron Corbin? How do we get Baron Corbin mad? Why don't we suggest that Finn has always wanted a Finn's funhouse? <laughs> uh, God damn. I love it. Alliteration. Uh, yeah, th- these are just incredibly weak. Like, all these backstage things. They recap Bailey and Sasha from last week teaming in the locker room segment. And they're just smiling together, watching this on the monitor, their greatest hits. And Charlie interviews him. Bailey says they had a really long talk. They have their differences, but it's their differences that make their friendship so strong. They are different people with the same dream. They giggled, they plugged the all-women's pay-per-view, and they are more ready than ever to be on the same page. Bailey calls Sasha her best friend, and Sasha says she knows Bailey feels the same way. So this, this felt to me like a course correction from last week, although I, I think after the, the tease of... This friendship being something more on Sasha's end. I feel they're trying to distance themselves from that element, but this is screaming. One of them's turning. Are you so sure about that? Yes. This was so comically over the top between these two. Wait a second. We would have said that six months ago when they were doing half this shit. I mean, I I don't know what's going on anymore. I can't predict anything when it comes to, to these two. Uh... It is just so wildly inconsistent and schizophrenic that, seriously, I think the only out would have been to explain some type of romantic interest. But even that, I thought, was a really weak They could have gotten married at Evolution. 
yes, that would be quite the evolution, yes. Um, anyway, so, at, at least for this week, no love story between the two. Uh, strictly platonic, which I'm totally fine with. I just, I don't even, if they did turn on one another, I don't know if I can get into that. I've been tricked so many times. I've, you know what needs to happen? Bailey needs to show up with a boyfriend, and then we just have the look on Sasha's face when she realizes Bailey has a boyfriend. And this puts her, just drives her over the edge. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know, man. I'm like, I don't know what they can really do to get me back on board for this thing. I've just been like, you've been teasing me so much. They're friends. They're not friends. They're friends. They're not friends. They love, they're lovers. They're not lovers. They're just friends. Uh, someone need, someone needs to go on our forum and document all the twists in this feud since February of what they have gone through. What has been the week-to-week pro- uh, progression more, that has gotten us to this point? More so than that, like I would love for some writer who uh, maybe inevitably will get let go by the company to t- tell us, in the months leading to this thing, what was the original plan and how many times did you change direction? Because I could... I feel like for for there's no way they would have gone from even as as recent as that bottle throwing segment. Like remember when like Bailey got so pissed off, like you know it almost everybody thought she turned heel, threw a bottle at Sasha as she was driving away. How did you wait, get from that to the Doctor Shelby segments? Wait, and then do you realize? This? Do you realize that in the elimination chamber there was the spot where Sasha sees Bailey and just kicks her off the pod? That was in. February. Mm-hmm. We were talking in February about they'll probably have a singles match at WrestleMania. It's yeah. July. Yeah. It's July. Uh hey, let me also ask you, what do you what do you think about the rumors of the uh uh what is it? Women's tag team belts. Do you think there's anything to that to that? Uh my understanding is that was not in the cards. They weren't um at least there was no uh knowledge of it. Um, I think it's something that they could still introduce down the road, but um, I haven't that, heard anything in that direction. Because if, if, in fact, like these two are no longer uh, uh, feuding with one another anymore and they're just buddy-buddy, that's the only re- re- reasonable excuse I could come up with was the fact that they would want to put these two and kind of make them your marquee team in a tag team division. Yeah, I don't know. This just felt like they were just... It was so over the top in this match that I just feel someone's turning on someone, even though it's been done already with them. And I don't know why oh they have God. faith that who, the next one's going to take. Well, I, I mean, I, I was uh, I was waiting for it at the end. Like, well, who do who would you turn in, in this uh, scenario at this point? Oh, dude, my head when this feud continues, I'm turning away from the television. So then we had the uh, uh, the did you know graphic? Were you aware prior to tonight, Wave, that on Facebook, the WWE has more followers than the NBA, Jay-Z, Nike, ESPN, and Kim Kardashian? I didn't know that. I should have known it. Yes. I'm never supporting those people ever again. Yeah. Because they're not good enough. Sasha and Bailey took on Samantha Simon and Karen Lundy. They Mm -hmm. got Sasha into their corner. And she landed a big kick. They double teamed Lundy. And then uh, Bailey hit a running knee strike uh, that sent Lundy into the bank statement. And she tapped furiously at a minute 23. And then Bailey and Sasha just hugged and hugged and hugged in the middle of the ring. It was so goofy. 
Um, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I just, par for the course, I think, when it comes, like, maybe you, you know, maybe you have a point. Maybe, like, this was too drastic of a change from the previous weeks until all of a sudden, after a week passes, they're just like, they're so, uh, I guess, so, such great friends again. Um, I, I just have a feeling whenever one of them turns, I'm just not going to care again. They're probably in their minds thinking this is going to be like when Owen T's turning on Brett and then they had the reunion and they went for the tag titles and then they lost and Owen turned on Brett and it was this great turn. I don't think this one is going to have that kind of a payoff or they shouldn't be anticipating that kind of reaction. SmackDown promo aired. We've got Carmella and Becky, the non-title match on Tuesday and Paige picks AJ Styles SummerSlam opponent. And then a spot from Mission Impossible Fallout, which got Hulk Hogan on the screen, taking on Andre the Giant. Hogan's most famous moment. Um, yes. Interesting. The big question, though, is reintroducing Hulk Hogan to this WWE audience in 2018 with all of the scandal behind him. Is it Mission Impossible? <laughs> JoJo introduced Elias again. This time he's interrupted by Braun Strowman. And Cole noted that his album is number 16 on the top 200 list on iTunes. Beating Jay-Z and Beyonce. So a lot of shade thrown at Jay-Z on this Poor show. Jay-Z. What a rough night for him. Jay-Z might have to come back with, with, a, with a track. Yeah, or really, um, you know, get his Facebook followers up. Yeah, he should work on that. They mentioned Strowman's media tour he just completed in India and that uh, developmental... Uh, female Kavita Devi is going to be in the May Young Classic again this coming August. Strowman mentions the all women's pay per view and congratulates all of them, especially his mixed ma- match challenge partner Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. I, this I, did not sound natural coming out of this man's mouth. The, uh, I mean, he tried to make it his own with the Alexa joke at the end, but yeah. it, the Braun Strowman character congratulating the women for getting their own pay per view. I don't mind that. Like, listen, like when you watch him with Alexa in the Mixed Match Challenge or like on Ride Along, he, ha- he Braun has that soft side that I think is very endearing when he brings it out. Uh, but like, did but it? They never, they never bring it out on Raw. They've always kept rare. it separate for for Braun's character on Raw. It's kind yeah. of strange what they, that they have this separation for him. Yeah, but did, but did it sound natural from anybody tonight? You're right. He brings up Reigns and Lashley tonight. He says it doesn't matter who wins because sooner or later a monster is going to come calling because he has the briefcase and he asks the audience, how would I look as champion? Kevin Owens made his return. He was bandaged up selling the fall from extreme rules and he's upset at Strowman. He tried to befriend him because his 10 year old son uh, encouraged him to and thought he could replace Nicholas as his partner. And his two kids used to think that their dad, Kevin Owens was indestructible. And now his two kids are scared because they see the pain on his face with every step he takes. Braun tried to take away the ability for him to provide for his family, so now he's going to take everything away from Strowman, and says he won the cage match, so he has nothing left to prove. Uh, first of all, I thought I thought Owens cut a very good promo here. Again, I, I sympathize with this man. I mean, what is to hate about this guy? What, he's a he, he cowers in fear to this monster? Here's a guy who just wanted to be friends with this man so he could provide for his family. And look what this guy's put him through. From the car shit to literal shit. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe man's a model citizen. Mm. Shania wow. Twain enthusiast goes to zoos. Like he's he's the he's the perfect role model. Really is. Corbin comes out. He says that what Braun did was technically legal, but morally reprehensible. And he wants to see people grow in the locker room, except for Finn Balor, who can only grow so much. He brings out Jinder Mahal with Sunil to calm down Braun and help with his anger issues. And what ensued was a painfully long segment of Jinder trying to lead Braun through a moment of inner peace and a breathing exercise which Braun stopped, acknowledged, acknowledged his temper, and then he had everyone close his eyes. He breathed in to chant, get these hands, before he attacked Jinder and Sunil. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I cover this segment and all the important, vital parts of it? Yes. I, th- I think you did a very good job. Thank you for uh, being so, uh, I don't know, detailed with all this stuff. This, th- this one, to me, felt like a house show segment. Uh, very much aimed at children, I would say. Um, I hope I hope the kids liked it. Natalia versus Mickey James. We had Alexa out in Mickey's corner, and they promoted that Ronda Rousey will be returning to Raw next Monday in Miami. Early on in the match, front chancery applied by Mickey. They traded strikes, and Natalia hit a snap suplex. She lifted Mickey onto her shoulders, and Mickey is reaching for Alexa on the floor. And then she just gives up and just screams uncontrollably before taking the electric chair. It was the funniest setup to someone taking an electric chair, I can recall. And the announcers start joking that she thinks she's in a tag match. The sharpshooter gets stopped with Mickey kicking her into the ropes. Natalia then gets grabbed by Alexa, goes to the floor, discus clothesline to Alexa, but then returns to the ring and is hit with a Mick kick. And she pins Natalia at 346. And Jonathan Coachman notes that not just with SummerSlam coming up, but now with Evolution, every big match win counts. Hmm. So get okay. your get your uh, your point totals outway because every single mm-hmm. match it's it's of the utmost importance for the momentum to go into these two shows. Yeah, well, you're gonna have to uh, have to have a contest and a pool and brackets and everything. Um, I I thought the match was just quite generic. Mm. Didn't really seem to hook this crowd. Uh, even the distraction I just thought was really lazy and really unimaginative. So, uh, I'm hoping the pay-per-view doesn't have any matches like this. We went to a spot of ESPN sports humanitarian awards where Roman Reigns accepted on behalf of the WWE. They emphasized all the charity work and then Charlie interviews Roman Reigns in the very next segment. And just booed as usual. He says that unlike Extreme Rules, tonight is different. Because tonight is a night of firsts. And it will be the first time he's beaten Lashley. He's a workhorse. The most decorated superstar of this generation. And he's going to add to his resume tonight. Go on to SummerSlam. The people can complain. But you got to learn to love it or shut your mouth. He's going to regain the Universal title and whoop Brock Lesnar's ass. Like, was this a babyface promo? Uh, it was a Roman Reigns not pandering to the crowd promo. Yeah. I didn't mind it. He's saying, fuck you. I don't care if you don't like me. I'm going to win this title. 
Good. I think that's kind of the tact he should take. Well, I mean, I I think so too. But I think he should be doing it as a heel. Like he's got again this laid back, cocky deliver- delivery that I think is so much better suited for him as a heel. Uh, as a supposed babyface going up against the heel, it it I just don't know what they're expecting for this crowd reaction in in Brooklyn. Could you imagine if this guy just went full in and next week he comes out? It's like, you people are all hypocrites. You all boo me. You all state you don't want to see me. And not one of you would give up your ticket to SummerSlam. Every last seat will be filled because of me. (laughs) Pieces of garbage. So you boo. You boo so loudly that every zero on my check hears those boos. Roman would be my favorite wrestler if he said words like that. I think everything is is there for it, but what am I like? I'm not saying anything new. Oh, he he could have so much material. Like he comes out with the newspaper and he's reading the stock, all time <laughs> high. Oh, Guess what, folks? Heard of a little little startup network yeah. called Fox? Hey guys, that sports humanitarian award, all me. <laughs> this company new heights because of Roman Reigns. Yeah. Guess what? Just got my physical. I'm going to be able to wrestle for decades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it could be great. They could just go all in. I don't know why the hesitation. Uh, Elias is introduced again, goes to play, worked in the iTunes and Spotify plugs, and they, he was cut off by the authors of pain. Yes. So everyone was able to interrupt him. Uh during the break, we also got the Burger King commercial with Shinsuke Nakamura. Did you ever think we'd see Shinsuke Nakamura in a Burger King spot? Not a chance. Not a chance. Maybe in Japan. But... Yeah. No, uh, I should preface a English Burger King spot in the U.S. market. I mean, I'll say I didn't expect to see Ron Simmons in a Burger King spot ever. This was uh, this featured Charlotte and Nakamura playing poker. And then it's the Burger King guy that wins. And then we get a damn from Ron Simmons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice to see Ron Simmons back. Hopefully, he he made some money off of this. Uh, uh, is this just a WWE spot, or do you think this will air elsewhere? I don't know. Everyone, keep your eyes open if you see this this spot elsewhere. Maybe it's going to have a big national run, and this is going to mm. put Ron Simmons into the the public consciousness. AOP is in the ring, and they cut a promo. Akam says they won't wait forever. Give us anyone, except for Titus Worldwide. We're done with those two. So Titus Worldwide comes out, and Titus says he wants to help the authors, and Akam responds, to what? Trip and fall? Before that, you had Razor... <laughs> Man. Okay. Raz- okay, so Titus says, you guys ha- are-, are young, and you have a lot to learn. And Razor says, what could you learn us? <laughs> well, oh, uh, God, I guess I guess uh, coherent sentences. I mean, Ty- like, despite being in NXT for so long, uh, to me, these two felt like rather like amateurs when it comes to speaking for themselves. And well, they never um, had to exactly. And I think there was a reason for that. And for some reason, you decide to bring them up onto the main roster and take away this this crutch that they've had for such a long time. Rather than take the crutch away back when it was in NXT and developmental, when they could actually develop these skills, I don't really understand it. And Ellering, he he was a great part of the act. I really I enjoyed him a lot. Titus says there is nothing wrong with falling down, as long as you get back up. It's quite the analogy. 
And then Apollo took over and says over these months teaming with Titus, he's learned why he was the father of the year. He helped Apollo make money for his daughter with merchandise sales and how to give to his community. Titus has been here a long time, and he knows something about succeeding for lasting this long. And Cruz says that if the authors listened, they could be champions. But not just that, they could also be championship quality people. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I, I could not imagine uh, the level of professional Apollo is to read this and be like, no problem. No problem. I got this. I got this. Damn. You could be a champion quality person. Yes. Wow. I Maybe uh, that's their, that should be their new team name. The championship quality people. Acom <laughs> tells Titus to retire. And then they attack the authors and they cleared them from the ring. So this is continuing. This this raw tag division, it's at depths I cannot recall. Uh just even the authors that are one of the, you know, money teams potentially to be I guess it's This is the way of building them, I guess. You know, by giving them quality wins over champion quality people like uh the, the, my Wide. concern is that they've already steamrolled through titus worldwide that if they want to get a feud out of this i feel titus worldwide is going to get some television win over them yeah you could be right man uh i i yeah i don't know for, for some reason i thought like on the way towards SummerSlam, like i thought extreme rules was going to be where you would throw all the b-level feuds you know and after extreme rules heading into SummerSlam is when we bring out the really good shit you know like, you guys have to wait. Yeah, that wasn't such a good show. Well, that's only because we're waiting to give you all the good stuff after Extreme Rules. And it's like a week after Extreme Rules, and we're still getting the promise of this Titus Worldwide Authors Brawl. We're getting more Bray Matt versus the B team. Uh, Rollins versus Ziggler again, which, I mean, was good, but I don't need to see another month of it. So, I don't know. Do you realize we have three episodes of Raw left? Before SummerSlam? I, I didn't realize. Um, Three episodes. That's not that long, I guess. I could... could no, I, that's what I'm five. saying. It's like you don't... I mean, granted, it's it's these three-hour Raws, but nonetheless, like, SummerSlam is not that far away, and uh, I don't know. I'm not sensing, like, these, these big programs that are coming to a head for SummerSlam either. It just feels like a lot of either rematches or stuff that's being thrown together. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting because one of the ideas for the the build-up to Lashley and Reigns at Extreme Rules was the fact that Brock Lesnar was not going to be at that show. So we're not going to talk about Brock because that's the SummerSlam build. We don't want to confuse the audience with promoting multiple things that Brock is going to be at SummerSlam and looking past Extreme Rules. Oh, I'd and, be so confused. I wouldn't know what oh, to do. <laughs> well... Jeez. Well, ten- look at tonight, though. Yeah, I mean, we spent the a- whole show promoting a pay-per-view three months from now. And it's just, it's interesting. When something is of significant importance... Man, John, it- what am I going to do? I don't even know when October is. I'm a wrestling fan. I can only look one month ahead. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Help me, Vince. Stephanie was with Kurt Angle outside of a limo. Uh, he was worried that she was showing up. Uh, but then with the announcement, he's very proud to be the Raw general manager. Owens and Corbin entered the scene, and she asked Owens if he's okay. And he said, I am not well, Stephanie. Life has been hard with this Braun Strowman vendetta. Corbin blames Angle for 
this getting out of control. Owen says it was wrong. It could have ended his career. He wants to face Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. But if he wins, by any means, DQ, count out, he gets Braun's money in the bank contract. Kurt thinks it's an absurd idea, but Stephanie just reduces Kurt Angle to nothing, saying, shut up, you clown. I make the matches. Done. And then Stephanie, uh, everyone was jealous as she got into a limo and said, good night, I'm done, and left. She left her own show. Yeah, she didn't have to watch the rest of this. It's like, ah, uh, what's up next, Mojo and Breeze? <laughs> See ya. I like the stipulation. Uh, uh, I don't think Money in the Bank winners defend the briefcase enough. Typically, when somebody wins the Money in the Bank, they just kind of like, they've, they're kind of reduced to, to the sidelines for a long, long time. Not really being involved in any significant storylines, or worse, losing a lot of matches because they ha- they have this thing to fall back on. Uh, so I, I I'm I'm glad they're kind of reinstating uh, uh, briefcase defenses. Um, but again, I'm not that excited for this feud to continue for another month. Like we've seen already so much from here. We've seen Braun just do everything to this guy. He threw shit at him. He threw. He like flipped his car. He threw him off of a cage. Threw him off of a ladder. What is? He, what more is there to do? Really? Are you gonna kidnap Shania Twain? Are you gonna like, damage Shania Twain's vocal cords so that she can never say sing when? That would be next level. But if they don't do that, I just I don't know if there's that much making me to make me feel excited for this again. Do you feel they have to do something next week with Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar? Because that was the. The statement that Braun made when he won that no, thing was... No, they don't. Because it'll be too confusing. You're, you're I right. can't process two feuds in my head at once. What do you think I am? Like, scientist? Because that was the line Braun used, was that this, when Lesnar shows up, I'm going for him. And well, the only reason he hasn't is Brock hasn't been here. So absolutely. I almost wish that they had done this segment and been able to... Like, Owens could have said something. Like, this was... Like, I have been abused on your premises here. I and threatened like a lawsuit or something. And then he gets his match, and Braun cannot cash in this briefcase until he goes through with this SummerSlam match. Give us some reason for him not to look silly by not going after Brock when he's there next week. Well, I certainly think they should address it by having Owens do something to take Braun out for the rest of the show before Brock shows up. Uh, I think that would obviously give a bit more towards Owens in this feud. And maybe they'll do that. Maybe they will cover their tracks. Um, I hope so. We'll see. But they, yeah. they threw out that, that promise by mm-hmm. Braun. And, you know, I hate that stuff when it's just comes and goes and you're supposed to forget about it. So I hope it is addressed next week in some way. Or even if they say, like, Braun can't use the briefcase until SummerSlam because he has to defend it. Sure. Just say that. Just use that line. Um, just mm-hmm. something that is you're not scratching your head as to why you have Braun and Brock on the same show next week. Mojo took on Tyler Breeze. Have you seen Mojo's leg? I um I've seen it. I I didn't pay attention to it. Okay. Can you go on Twitter? Okay. And type in type in Mojo Raleigh. Mojo Raleigh WWE. I want to get Way's honest to God reaction. This is what this guy has been working on uh, for his last four matches, apparently. Okay. What? Wow. <laughs> If you have not seen this, do you want to describe this? This is his left leg. Wow, this is quite the bruise. Um, I'm going to say this looks kind of like 
It looks like something is torn. That's what it looks like. It is a horrendous bruise on his left leg. Yeah, I'm trying to think what it actually looks like. Maybe it looks like a kidney. Um, like it is incredible the size and and the color of this thing. Again, kind of beautiful. Kind of like art. Oh God! Like a pencil Not- crayon drawing. You and I are very different people. I nearly threw up when I saw this Really? Oh, it's gross. Kenny Omega's also injured. Yes, yes, we will get to that. Uh, Or so he says. Mojo and Tyler Breeze. Mojo nailed him with a forearm smash. And then we got a split-screen interview with Bobby Roode that had to have been the most dull interview I've ever seen. He is not interested in the match. Cool. And it just ended with him saying Mojo can hide behind his keyboard. I guess over something he tweeted. It was so dull that I don't even think the announcers paid attention to what he, he was saying because this dude was left hanging for like five seconds it, before. It he... had such an awkward ending. Like he was mid thought and just stopped. And then the announcers didn't know if he was done. And it was yeah. bad. Like they, these are pre-taped. Like, can we not have a cleaner take than this? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think like the Bobby Roode heel turn is something that we've all been expecting for a long time. I just didn't think they would, they'd be delaying it for this long. I'm not even so sure we're going to get it in this feud against Mojo Raleigh. It wouldn't really make sense against Mojo, I guess. So I don't know what's going on with Bobby Roode. Um, he is just kind of fallen to depths. I, I didn't really expect him to so quickly. This is a lot of cold programs, specifically on Raw. Yeah. Cold characters, really. Yeah. By the way, this crowd at this point started chanting, we want Ambrose. Yeah, and that would uh, continue in the main event because they were in Dean Ambrose's hometown of Cincinnati. And yeah, by the end of this show, there would be no Dean Ambrose. And, and I think a pretty safe assumption that he's not figured into any SummerSlam plans. Given I mean, if he didn't where show going. up here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I threw out the idea of him with Rollins, but now Rollins is is paired with Ziggler for SummerSlam. So it doesn't look like Ambrose has any role for SummerSlam. Uh, And maybe he's not ready to come back. Breeze was catapulted into the corner. Breeze avoided a forearm in the corner, got a roll up, and then Mojo nailed him into the right corner and hit a sit-out Alabama slam for the win in 219. Yeah, I haven't seen him do the uh, sit-out variation of the Alabama slam. I don't really mind the variety at all. I think it's, you know, in a way it's a bit less devastating of an impact, but it's safer. It still looks impactful enough to be a finish. So, you know, this Mojo push continues. Mm, but I'll say, like, especially on this show, really didn't come across like any type of significant player with this audience. Uh, it was a relatively cold match. Um, I think this guy is really at his best when he's cutting promos. I think weeks of him just kind of winning these jobber matches isn't really going to do a whole lot for him. We had a Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre selfie promo. Ziggler called himself the resident Iron Man. McIntyre, who over the course of the past week has reverted to phase one, uh, was supposed to win the three-way last week to get closer to the WWE title. Never lost a match. Balor did. uh, But now he's going to take the smile off of Balor's face. So these two, any any thoughts of them being separate? Uh, Not the case. Right back together. 205 Live on Tuesday night will feature a fatal four-way with Mustafa Ali, Drew Gulak, Hideo Itami, and TJP. And then we had another Elias performance, which Finn Balor interrupted to set up his match with Drew McIntyre, which went about seven minutes. Won't go through everything here. They went through a commercial break. 
Uh, on two occasions, Balor tried the coup de grace. On the second time, he was he was nailed, and Ziggler tripped him for the DQ, stomped him, and then Seth Rollins ran down to even out the playing field, and Kurt Angle came out, and look at that. Two baby faces, two heels. Let's have a tag match. Mm-hmm. And so we did. Um, this, was, this was a very good tag match, I thought. Yes. Um, crowd, super hot for, in particular, Rollins, but it extended to Balor as well. Uh, they had control of Ziggler. When McIntyre tagged in, he dropped Balor throat first onto the barricade. Uh, Rollins then sent Ziggler into the barricade and hit a springboard clothesline to Drew inside the ring. Drew hit his inverted Alabama slam for a two count. And then Rollins recovered with Ziggler now the legal man hitting the stomp to win the match. Good match. You know, um, I feel like Seth this week still feels very special to this audience. Anytime he appeared, uh, the hot tag, this audience was probably the loudest it was this entire show. Um, so he still feels great, like like a real star that's on the rise. I think McIntyre's presence is really growing as well. They are protecting him by not having him take any unnecessary pinfalls. He didn't lose last week. He, he didn't lose this week either. It was it was Dolph. So um, my initial thought was that for SummerSlam, they were going to pair Rollins with McIntyre and perhaps Ziggler and Balor just because they're fresh matches. Uh, but by the by the end of the show, they announced Rollins versus Ziggler again, which, I mean, again, I don't necessarily understand. I, I feel like for SummerSlam, I thought they were going to give us something fresh. Not that but we have seen Rollins and McIntyre. Uh, of course, before on Raw, and we're going to see it again next week. Yeah, maybe maybe Rollins and Ziggler went to them and just pleaded, can we please have a rematch with no stipulations? Nothing. We want as basic a wrestling match as we can possibly put together. Do you think that they will? it will be no stipulations? I hope it's not, because uh, stipulations didn't help them last month. Um, maybe it was or, just the wrong stipulation. Well... I mean, what do you really need between these two? Shark cage. I don't know. I, I've kind of, I, I could cool it on so many stipulations in the WWE for now. Maybe we could just dial it back. I, I'm not opposed to these two just having a straight up match for the title. Charlie was in the back and she repeated Stephanie's groundbreaking announcement from earlier. And then she interviewed Lashley. He said he came back to the WWE for these big matches where he's at his best and stated he won at WrestleMania before leaving in 2008. And Reigns failed against Lesnar. He's going to fail again tonight. And Brock is coming next week. He's going to go up to him, tell him to his face that he's going to have to fight him. And there's going to be no sleep till Brooklyn, said yes. the intergalactic Bobby Lashley. Right, yes. I guess he can sleep now. Get some rest. Why? He's not sleeping until Brooklyn. Well, it doesn't need to now. It's got no plans for Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. Uh, yeah, just okay. Yep. They showed all the tweets from the female wrestlers about tonight's announcement. And then Ember Moon cut a promo, selecting Liv Morgan to face tonight. And quick match between the two. Forward flip into a clothesline as the announcers were bringing up Skandor Akbar helping to train Ember Moon. Morgan uh, got dropped after a superplex attempt, allowing Moon to hit the Eclipse and win in 329. Where was the Viking? Oh, I guess she was uh, taken out. Yeah, was she even on the show? Was she even a part of the opening segment? Uh, I didn't I didn't spot her, but huh. it was noticeable she wasn't in Liv's corner here. She's doing Viking things. I'm, I'm disappointed we didn't get another chapter in Michael Cole's uh, in-depth in- interviews with the Riot Squad this week. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Well... 
Uh, you know, I'll say I thought these two were working really hard. Unfortunately, this crowd was just not there. They were dead quiet for this whole thing. But I thought the match was actually pretty good. But it's late in the show. The star power here isn't strong, so that suffered. But I think in-ring Ember is just great. And I thought Liv looked pretty good here, too. Yeah, I, I think Ember Moon is one of the most underrated women on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of want her to just stay at this level and not get involved in storylines <laughs> and, and not get into anything that's deemed important. Oh, my God. You just want her to wrestle matches. Yes. <laughs> that's all I want. I wish Asuka had stayed in this role. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm fine with this. Just have these undercard matches every week. Just face the Viking and the blue tongue. Morgan every week. Mm-hmm. Mike Rome, remember him? He interviewed Seth Rollins, and he's been given a match for SummerSlam against Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental title. Yes, that's right, yes. Um, yeah, I guess Seth hitting Dolph in the tag match allows him to earn it. Fine with that. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. Like, it's kind of, it's a lot to do an Iron Man match. Like, to do a straight match first on TV, then to do an Iron Man match. And then to do a third match without any stipulation. Well, they could add something. I'm just I'm just kind of worn out on stipulation matches. And I think right. the stipulation really harmed that match. Though, I mean, that was pretty hard to predict going in. Like, that's not one where I think you could have ex- anticipated that kind of reaction that that yeah. audience provided them. So hmm. uh, I, I think it's fine just in the straight match. Aired a package on Reigns and Lashley. And then Elias had his final performance. He's waiting. No one interrupts him. He goes to play. Kurt Angle comes out. He says he didn't come out to interrupt Elias, which he most obviously did. And says the floor is yours. The people want to hear a song from your debut album. So Elias thanks him. And then he mentions the band OAR that are seated in the front row who have looked up to him for a long time and apologizes for not returning their calls. He is the biggest musical act on the planet, and he's been busy. So he starts his song, he plays it, and says that Cincinnati, just saying that word makes him nauseous. And then Lashley interrupts him for the final time, and that was it for Elias. Yep. What do you think of the song? uh, It was pretty terrible, I thought. So is this like a whole album of that? I can't imagine listening to these. I think Braden should because it would, uh, I think, be fun for his, uh, for him to do a little mini review of this. But I, I could not possibly listen to this man. Uh, it's, it's really bad. Yeah, I mean, as it should be. But uh, hmm, uh, I, but I, I, I do. People, love- people will download this. Oh, and, of course. And Elias, he is going to, through this stupid album. He is going to make some money for this company because there is going to be after tonight's RAW. There's going to be tons of morons that, that go out and buy this damn thing. Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, as a joke gift, I love it. I Or, I mean, for some people, not even so much a joke, I guess. But I, I, I miss them doing stuff like this. Like, even as a joke. You know, to take it so far to have a whole album done. Um, so, I, I, I'm not like what they did with, uh like what they did with Jillian Hall a few years ago. They sure. put out a Christmas album with her. Right, or like, you know, the West Texas Rednecks or, or any number of people. Yes. I miss the days of wrestlers singing their own entrance themes. Yeah, it's great. I I, I agree. So uh, if anyone does go out and buy it, we, we'd love a review of sure. the, the Elias album. So there, I, I, I rescind my, uh, my moron comment. 
Uh, they have loaded up next week's Raw in Miami. They announced uh, Brock is on the show. Ronda Rousey is on the show. Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre all announced uh, in advance for next week. Uh, wow. And noticeable boos when they put the graphic up for Brock Lesnar. Mm. What kind of reaction do you anticipate Lesnar getting in Miami? I do expect uh, boos, sir. Um, yeah, I guess some boos. But at the same time, like Brock is such a presence that I, I, I don't expect really the same type of boos as Roman Reigns. Mm. But yeah, I think it'll be a negative reaction. He's a heel. Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns was our main event. Again, the We Want Ambrose chant started at the beginning. Lashley clotheslined him to the floor and then hit a belly-to-belly. They went through a break. Uh, Lashley was just cutting off Reigns whenever Reigns tried to mount a comeback, and it was Lashley dominating here. He went for a spear and then got sent through the ropes to the floor. And then as Lashley is re-entering the ring through the ropes, Reigns went for something approximating an elbow or leg drop. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it was like he just jumped into the air and like took a back bump on this guy in I, midair. I think it was a leg drop or maybe a missed drop kick, perhaps. I didn't know what this was. He had a couple of those. Dude, Reigns was way sloppy in this match, like way more than I can recall. Like he's usually like pretty on point with his yeah. stuff. Like he's not the most diverse guy with with his move set, but he was very sloppy at points in this match. Um, Lashley applied a full Nelson that Reigns was able to elbow out of, and then Lashley hit this flatliner, and then he tried to one-up Reigns because he went for this arm triangle that I can't even call it that. It was, I don't know what this was. Like, this was the least intimidating submission I've ever seen. It was just a scarf hold. Like that—that's what they call it in jujitsu, and it's—I—I I don't think it's typically used as any type of real submission. Um, but you know, anything. Like it was—it—it can... it was a loose grip, first of all. Like it oh. just—it looked like shit that yeah. you would expect someone like Lashley would just have a little like more finer detail to a submission offense. True. Um. No, sorry, I thought you were gonna say. No, something. well, I, I was gonna say like in, anything can really get over. Like if you treat it with like a the, the, like, fuck. Uh, Mick Foley made a career out of sticking his fingers in somebody in people's uh, mouths. So I think anything can eventually eventually get over. But yeah, this one didn't really look all that devastating. I wonder if he'll continue with it. Or the full Nelson. Lashley uh, missed in the corner, spearing the post. Those poor ring posts. Uh, Reigns then ran the ropes into a power slam for a near fall by Lashley. And then Lashley runs at Reigns. And Reigns jumps in the air. And, like, grazes him with a knee, which Graves noted it wasn't pretty. And the announcers were trying to say he was going for a spear, which if he was, he missed by a mile what he was trying to execute here. So this was the other uh, glaring screw-up by Roman. Maybe he was trying to be a spear by jumping (laughs) into the air like that. Uh, There was a Superman punch, two of them, that Lashley kicked out of. Lashley then tossed him into the ring from the floor and speared Roman for a big near fall. Lashley went for another spear, but is hit with a third Superman punch. Rain sets up for the spear, is kicked in the face, but then just bounces off the ropes, rebounds to hit the spear, and he pins Lashley in 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they relied on a lot of big near falls and stuff. Um, I-, I thought Roman did not have um, 
a, a great outing here. But the audience largely got into this match, though, and I think having the stakes attached to it uh, helped with the audience. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, just for me, despite Roman's you know uh, aerial uh, abilities in this match, I, I didn't take away from the match for me. I thought they executed a, a lot of the near falls very well. This crowd it was interesting to study throughout the, this match because they started off really hot. But like hot as in they really they kind of wanted to boo Roman Reigns. At some point they became distracted and they started chanting for Dean Ambrose again. But as the match got going, it got really good and they engaged this crowd again. So I I I, I like this. I thought it was hard hitting, fast, powerful heavyweight action from these two. Very athletic on the, on the part of uh, Bobby Lashley. I actually think I enjoyed it more than the Extreme Rules match. Yeah, I I can see that. I, th- I thought they. Uh, they worked hard in this match, uh, mm-hmm. barring the uh, the hiccups we mentioned. So afterwards, they did the mutual respect. They shook hands, and it's set up as Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Um, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Yep. So, hey, I said this last week. When this arena boos this match out of the building, I don't want to hear any complaints about the crowd because every single person knows what that reaction is going to be that by booking this match, what you are setting yourself up for. So there's not going to be any shitting on the crowd from myself because you know exactly what you're getting and you're, you're going full steam ahead with this match that I think there's going to be a lot of negativity towards this match over the next uh, four weeks before SummerSlam. It, it's really interesting. Cause I mean, not only the fact that uh, this, mm, well, the, the reaction will be interesting because it's, it's so much like Brock Lesnar's uh, WrestleMania 20 match where we the audience knew that he was on his way out. So maybe they're banking on that type of reaction. The reaction that a Brock Lesnar who is about to leave professional wrestling will be getting from a New York audience. And maybe, I mean, again, that's the thinking, right? In, in this whole storyline is that Roman is the guy who stays. Roman is the guy who who is the lifer in professional wrestling. And Brock Lesnar is the outsider who is shunning professional wrestling or taking advantage of professional wrestling just to make money. Um, I remember that that was, that was the identical setup for WrestleMania when people thought Lesnar was leaving and no Mm -hmm. one got behind Roman as the lifer that is defending WWE's honor. Yeah. That was the whole buildup for WrestleMania. Seriously. So I wonder uh, how they're going to, you know, twist that around in order to to drive that home a bit more. Cause it's hard for me to think, that the reaction will be too different from what what it was at WrestleMania in Brooklyn. Yeah. I Listen, with, with Roman Reigns, I think there there's a way to present this guy and we've kind of gone over it. They seem very stubborn that they don't want to go that way. This is the version of Roman Reigns they want and this is the the big push that they've been going with for over 3 years now and they're not going to let sour crowd reactions get in the way of the story they're telling, but it's, it's been a pretty dismal story as a result of it. And I just Mm -hmm. can't imagine that after all these years, Roman Reigns winning this title at SummerSlam and this whole audience outraged, like what, what did we spend all this time doing? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I look for Brock wins. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost looking forward to them getting like finished with the all this crown roman sure and then let's just move on you know have roman defend against braun defend uh, that's also something too you know braun Strowman at the end of all this thing he could very well be the one to lift the belt at the end of the uh, uh summer slam so 
Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. But it's interesting that they decided to, again, go with this matchup, knowing how relatively unsuccessful it was previous times. Do you think this main event's the show? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yep. And you're right. They will have that kind of brawn tease as well, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That people are... They're probably going to be chanting for brawn throughout this match. Yeah. So anyway, the, the WWE has certainly made their bed for that SummerSlam main event. Uh, let's go to the forum and see what everyone had to say about uh, tonight's big edition of Raw. Um, I am going to assume this was a, a sub five out of ten episode of Raw. Do you concur? Hmm. Uh, yes, because uh, I think a lot of people are going to be upset of Roman Reigns winning. So, yeah, I go under as well. A 4.13 for tonight's Raw. Mm-hmm. We start off with Chris from Melbourne. While I'm hopeful that the all-women's pay-per-view evolution will do well, there is a part of me that says this is just part good publicity stunt and part part make good for the Saudi Arabia show. During the Sasha Banks and Bailey tag match, Coachman just said prior to the pinfall, quote, you know, women ain't like guys, unquote. This all on the same show where you are putting a spotlight on the entire women's division across all of WWE. If I were to say this at work, I'd be fired. Remember, Raw, Roman always wins. What was the context of that line? I didn't catch the line, so I I don't know what he was referring to during the tag match. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he meant chromosomally. All right. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure either. We go to Will, who says, Stephanie McMahon talking in corporate speak sounds insincere, then, now, and forever. Raw hasn't been very good recently. I'm glad people are picking up on, on Stephanie and her, uh, her, her corporate language that she speaks. Uh, it's like, that, that is how that woman speaks. Mark from Vaughn. It feels like Braun's lost some of his organic buzz. He's cutting promos about evolution and the recent stunts feel contrived. They want him to be a babyface, but WWE is always telling us that once they've labeled someone a good guy, any actions they take have to be considered good. How exactly has Owens deserved any of what happened to him in the past? Question. Apologies for being off topic, but it's the only venue for G1 feedback. Does anyone buy Jay White in this Switchblade character? How are you liking Jay White so far? I like the character. If anything, I, I think the character is the strongest part about him. Uh, I think he's been doing pretty good in the matches too, but hard for me to really buy him as like a top caliber talent next to so many incredible other talents that are uh, a part of the G1. But I, I like the character. Uh, but then again, I'm coming from the perspective of somebody who didn't really watch him before the Switchblade character in his young boy or Ring of Honor days. So uh, what about you? Uh, the character has never um, fully clicked with me. I think the best he's he's done was the Juice Robinson match. That was where he felt like everything was coming together. I, sp- I think especially when he was brought back for the Tanahashi program that it just felt like like he was given this character that was so foreign to how he was presented prior. It's not like he went to Ring of Honor and was honing this character and preparing it. It was just throwing on him, and it was a big contrast. Like, he's got the look of a 20-year-old, and all of a sudden he's playing this diabolical switchblade character. You that, could be 20 years old and be this dialog- diabolical um, knife dude. It was really jarring to me at the beginning. I think he's growing into the role more, and I think he will get there. I think he's a very talented performer. Um, 
and he's had some very good performances in the G1. So I, I think I don't think he's all the way there yet with the character, but I feel he he will in time. Bernie from Chicago. Oh, sorry, is that that's me, right? Okay, yes. yeah. Bernie from Chicago. I really enjoyed the main event tonight, but I still wish Seth Seth Rollins was in the main event picture. It seems like every time the fans get behind someone, the w- that WWE is six months late in noticing it. Quick question: Do you think there is any story, anything storyline wise or a gimmick match that can keep the live SummerSlam crowd invested in Lesnar and Reigns, an empty arena match? Um, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see that match not going on last, and I think that's going to be a very, very tough spot on that show. So I, I don't know. Um, they've got their work cut out for them over the next three weeks of how you build this up and. These are not stupid people. I mean, they saw what happened at WrestleMania. They can't be that uh, completely naive to know what is ahead of them in Brooklyn. And you would hope that that's they have a plan. Um, I just don't know how successful it's going to be because I think that audience is going to be made up. And there's going to be... It's not so much even the anti-Roman sentiment that I think ruins a match and takes it over. Um I think John Cena thrived with the, with those situations, but with his matches, with Roman's matches, it just seems it's it's a protest of what is in front of them, and it just takes all the air out of the match. How about if Roman w- wins, everybody gets free ice cream? Well, that's a start. Maybe, yeah. Great idea. Okay. We go. Uh, let's go to Gordon from Scotland. I haven't seen Raw in a few weeks and mainly just follow it via post-wrestling. However, the announcement and also the advertisement of Finn versus Drew made me tune in. Overall, I enjoyed the show much more than I expected I would. The announcement at the start was cheesy but important, so had no problems with how it was done, and we were reminded about it throughout the night as expected. All the matches on the show were good with the Balor-Seth-Dolph-Drew tag match and the main event standing out. I noticed that Coachman decided to only have a word of the night. Obviously wasn't hopeful on getting three out after last week. Only one word of the night. This is the uh, the pressing issues coming out of Raw. Um, he adds here, I enjoyed the main event and was slightly surprised to see Reigns take the win as I was sure the triple threat route was where they were going. Maybe they were concerned with how much sweat would be in the ring if it was Lashley versus Brock. Yeah, he's a sweater. He is indeed. Brandon from Oshawa, if Kevin Owens doesn't win the Money in the Bank briefcase at SummerSlam, he's going to look like a total fool. He's already looked like a total fool. That's kind of his character. Exactly. I'm hoping he does and saves us from another Reigns-Lesnar match because who wants to see another dozen (laughs) kickouts from F5s and Spears? Lashley should have been in that spot to give us something fresh. Instead, we get the same old shit. What exactly has been the point in wasting money on Brock Lesnar if you aren't going to do something significant with the guy? I'm sorry, but showing up once every few months, especially when you are the champion, doesn't make you special when it's been happening for years. We should have been getting dream matches with this guy, not running the gauntlet with the Shield guys over and over, or rematches with John Cena, Triple H, and The Undertaker. We go to Chris. Thought it was a half-decent Raw tonight. I do find it odd that somehow a unique pay-per-view somehow feels less important than tag titles, which I'd still like to see. If this whole warped storyline winds up with Owens with the money in the bank, I'll accept everything we've been put through with Braun constantly picking on Owens for no real reason. But every time I'm willing to forgive the WWE for poor booking decisions, they tend to double down and disappoint me even further. Not happy with the main event, but I now feel about SummerSlam like I did 
WrestleMania, and then the Greatest Royal Rumble, which is just get it over with already. It's not the best opinion fans should have over the biggest title in the company, but let's just finally pull the trigger and be done with it. They're going to be so blatantly tone deaf, at least make it quick. <laughs> God, this is torture for these people. Well, what does it say when like people keep coming back despite, uh, I guess, suffering through all that stuff? Like, I think the will of the wrestling fan is really strong. We're all incredibly hopeful that, like, if 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 we don't get something we are entertained by this month, maybe next month will be better because the potential is always there. So, I guess there's always hope. We got a Tommy from Scotland. The opening segment truly was amazing. The women totally deserve it after all their hard work and everything they've done, they've had to deal with over the years. KO Elias and Finn and Seth's tag match were the only things I enjoyed on the show. Am I being way too cynical and thinking that it's not a coincidence that WWE announced the women's pay-per-view on the same night to soften the blow of Reigns winning? I don't think one had anything to do with the other. No, I think there, it had probably has more to do with that Saudi Arabia show. Um, maybe even to a lesser extent, I wonder if it had anything to do with the bad press they received from the Hulk Hogan thing last week. But I'm sure they were going to announce this anyway. To be honest, I I didn't see too much bad publicity they got out of the Hogan thing. Like amongst like wrestling media, it was discussed, but it got virtually no mainstream coverage that that I saw. But I mean, even amongst the wrestling media, and I, I think it was pretty much just more more so accentuated with the responses from the New Day and Titus O'Neil. It became a news story, at least amongst wrestling circles, if not uh, maybe slightly towards the mainstream, in my opinion. Uh, Mike from New York writes, I'll be brief. I'm not excited about Reigns and Lesnar. A friend of mine thinks they may have KO win Braun's briefcase and cash in at SummerSlam. I hope not. I don't want to see Reigns versus KO for the Universal title. We just had that two years ago. Can this show be any more paint by numbers? Four Bobby Roode, Mojo, Raleigh feuds out of ten. Yeah, I don't really see... Owens not putting that briefcase. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Jay from Colorado. Gotta be honest, I really can't stomach the commentary anymore. The show is bad enough, but the commentary makes it harder. Coach has brought everyone down, in my opinion. After about halfway through the show, I switched over to the SAP, the separate audio channel, to listen to Spanish commentary as my Spanish could use work. That didn't work, so I put the TV on mute, and I just had the Echo play my 90s playlist. That suddenly made Raw better. Watching Braun toss Sunil Singh to Porcelain by Moby was an unexpected thing of beauty. And John, you would appreciate the fact that Cartoon Heroes by Aqua played towards the end of Lashley Reigns. Perfect timing. I would highly recommend replacing the commentary with a good Spotify playlist. It makes a difference. Well, there you go. Um, Maybe uh, Roman Reigns, to many people, is the cartoon hero, and he's going to last forever. Uh... Yeah, that wraps up the feedback. So thank you all for posting at forum.postwrestling.com. It seems like a very uninspired. Dude, this is the WWE this year. It's just like negative, negative feedback after negative feedback. And it's all warranted because this this show has sucked lately. It's been bad. Meanwhile, there's so much good out there. And I'm 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 even including NXT and SmackDown. In comparison to Raw, but Raw mm-hmm. has has been really bad. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just there's there's a lot of just simple elements of pro wrestling that I find are lacking in a lot of WWE programs. Like you see a lot of feuds, like they don't go in the direction of trying to generate 
like real heat for their programs that I think takes a big edge off of so many of these programs that you can only have so many heels that look like goofballs that promos are just designed to get to the punchline that the commentators are just trying to get in their their quirky jokes on one another like there's just such a bad comedic feel that yeah. goes through so much of this and at times there's good comedy but there's a lot of it That's whether you weird. like it or or don't yeah but there's a there's I, a lot that needs fixing on this show and i think that there's a lesson i could take away from that slam reversary or slam reversary show last night is that change can happen in an instant. You know, if somebody else really took over the show, I think it, you could change the thing overnight and you and really unlock the potential that you have with this incredible roster and the talent that's really a part of this company. Uh, but for now, we're I think we're in a, in a real lull. So we are going to be back. Uh, of course, you can go over to the Post Wrestling Cafe now. Check out our double shot with uh, way chatting about Total Bellas and being the elite. And we're also going to announce our contest winner, who has won the post-wrestling t-shirt after our post-production video contest of last week. And then, way we will be back Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown. And hopefully, uh, people will be more uplifted after Tuesday's show.